Park Hopping Podcast number 34. Celebrating 10 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan of DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 34, the podcast that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that, yep, anyone can have their own podcast. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, we took a look at the extinct Walt Disney World attraction, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and uh, had an audio ride-through from one of Jeff Lang's Fantasyland Classics home movie DVDs. This time, I'm going to continue the theme by experiencing some more Walt Disney World extinct attractions, this time over at Epcot Center. Now, as you may know, Epcot Center was originally planned to be a living, breathing community where people would work, live, and play. Walt Disney had a a vision of a utopian future, and it was a really amazing thing. His final movie was the Epcot presentation, which is available on the Tomorrowland Disney Treasures box set. So if you ever get a chance to see this, look at it. It was a very, very interesting view of the future. Now, the Epcot that got built and opened at the end of 1982 was more of a theme park. It combined uh, World Showcase, which was kind of an international world's fair, as well as Future World, where each pavilion represented something different, whether that be the, the future, transportation, communication, things like that. And when it opened, it wasn't complete. There were more countries planned to be added to the World Showcase and more pavilions to be added to Future World. One of those pavilions planned early on, it was announced probably uh, within a year or so after opening, was going to be a water-based pavilion that ended up being called the Living Seas. Now, this is probably because Disney wanted to compete with SeaWorld, just like they opened the Disney MGM Studios to kind of short-circuit Universal Studios coming into Orlando, and then later opened Disney's Animal Kingdom, uh, possibly to keep people from running away to places like Busch Gardens. Well, the Living Seas actually opened around 1986, and it didn't feature a ride as such. It featured a pre-show and a small um, omni-mover ride through a big aquarium. The main feature was one of the world's largest aquariums. I think it existed at that size uh, until very recently when a larger one opened somewhere else. Now, it featured the largest man-made coral reef and and a fictional underwater uh, place called Sea Base Alpha, where scientists would be studying with animals in the ocean floor, things like that. And there were a lot of neat things going on in the early days. I remember watching something on TV about um, how they were training Dolphin to use a special typewriter, which buttons were represented by large icons, and they were supposedly communicating with dolphins. And you could actually go to this uh, Sea Base Alpha exhibit and watch them training and working with dolphins and um, trying to communicate with them. So there was a lot of interesting science behind this pavilion. Once again, it was keeping with the original idea of Epcot, which was to both educate and entertain. Now, there's been a lot of changes to the Living Seas over the years, and it's currently under various forms of refurbishment. The sea cabs were closed for a long while, and now they're going to reopen as part of a kind of an underwater dark ride based on Finding Nemo, the Pixar computer animated film. They've already moved in some Nemo-type exhibits in the last couple of years, including Turtle Talk with Crush and uh, a lot of a lot of things that don't quite fit with the original spirit of Epcot, but hopefully bring new life to this pavilion. Now, I didn't actually get to see uh, the Living Seas until a few years after it opened, and when I did, uh, it was neat, but certainly it wasn't as exciting as some of the other pavilions. I, I guess I've never been that interested looking at fish or sharks or things like that. But 
um, we're going to pretend we're going back to before Pixar invaded and look at the Living Seas as it existed right up until they started closing things down to turn it into um, the Pixar Seas or whatever they decide to rename it if they actually do that. And yes, I'm kidding, I haven't heard anything about them renaming the Living Seas. Yet. Let's begin by taking a virtual tour of the Living Seas as we walk up to this pavilion in Yester Epcot. The exterior of the Living Seas featured a large rock wall with the writing The Living Seas and an artificial wave would crash up on the sign from time to time. Once you entered, there was a zigzaggy queue area where you'd see posters from things like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the classic Disney movie. There were diving suits, a model of the Nautilus, uh, movie posters, all kinds of props and things from what would probably be Disney's most famous sea-oriented production. Now, this was the holding area for the first part of the pre-show, which was a fancy slide presentation. At this time, I will warn you, this is not a 360-degree presentation, and it only takes place on one side, and that's where United Technologies is displayed. Once again, please remain standing at all times away from all walls and doors. After the slide presentation, we entered the main area, which was a theater where a movie was shown. About to take the first steps into that future. We welcome you to the living seas. We welcome you to Seabase Alpha. Now, the way we would get to Seabase Alpha would be through the hydrolators, which were basically elevators that take us down to the bottom of the ocean. The room was uh, like it was built into rock, and we'd leave the theater and we'd go find uh, one of the lines to the various hydrolators. Once you have reached a comfortable capacity, please thank you from the doors and allow the doors to close. Thank you. We'd enter a large elevator with glass walls that showed the rock outside and bubbles bubbling up, and it looked like a fancy elevator. Even had Otis elevator doors. Hydrolator number three, descending to Sea Base Alpha. Bubbles would rise and the rock would go up as if we were actually going down below the ocean. The floor would actually move a little bit and it would give the impression that it was a, a functional elevator to the bottom of the ocean. Hydrolator number three is lockout chamber. Pressurize and prepare for guest arrival. When 
the doors would open, we would now see the beginning of C-Base Alpha. We'd leave the elevators, and we'd walk to the next line area where a bunch of Omnimover vehicles would be all lined up, and we would board them and ride to C-Base Alpha. <laughs> now, on these slow-moving vehicles, which were a continuous chain similar to the Buzz Lightyear ride or the Haunted Mansion, just low-level buggies, we would ride through a tunnel, and then we would enter a long hallway where the left and the right-hand walls were glass, looking out into the bottom of the Living Seas Aquarium. During this long hallway to the right-hand side, we could see all kinds of fish, sharks, lots of really, really cool things. It was, I guess, Disney's idea to keep us from running down to SeaWorld. Now, during this long hallway, above us were actually some skylights that looked up into the tank. I suppose anybody that had a phobia of drowning or being underwater might not have liked this little ride to Sea Base Alpha. At the end of the long hallway, the sea cabs entered a large circular room and then followed around in a counterclockwise thing, looking out windows all the way around, kind of making a, ultimately a 90-degree angle turn to the left. Each one of the sections of the Living Seas, a lot of them were segregated. They would have divers in one area that were actually separated from where the sharks and things were. So as we passed the various sea walls and, and the bubble generators and things, on one side we might see sharks swimming around. We'd pass another side and see divers down there, but they were completely safe. We also saw fake diving vessels down there with bubbles as if they were part of you know, robotic underwater experiments. After swerving around the large circular room, we entered the last short hallway where we would uh, depart on some moving walkways and enter the main Sea Base Alpha area where the exhibits were. And it uh, was actually used in an episode of Thunder in Paradise starring Terry Hulk Hogan, where uh, they used it as like an underwater prison. Once at Sea Base Alpha, we could go and see various displays, diving suits up close, walk up to the second level and explore some more. There was a whole lot going on for folks that were into underwater stuff. Very futuristic, underwater, space 1999-looking place. There were uh, one-man submarines and diving bells and underwater pressure suits. 
Okay, there you go. I hope you've enjoyed this brief sound scene tour through the Living Seas as it existed back in uh, 1999 when I made this digital recording. The Living Seas we have today is quite a different place as more and more Pixar content enters in. Now, the rumor is when they first planned the Living Seas, it was going to have a much longer Omnimover type ride. And they're actually expanding the ride system for the uh, Pixar-themed... Um, well, the new ride that's going to be there. So, in a way, Disney is saying, we're actually trying to do it more like we originally wanted. Of course, they're using some modern characters that didn't exist when the Living Seas opened. And speaking of the Living Seas when it opened, uh, some information off the Internet. Uh, it opened on January 15th, 1986. It was sponsored by United Technologies up until 1998, so it's been without a sponsor the last couple of years. The tank size holds 5.7 million gallons with 793,000 gallons kept in storage. They claim there are 8,500 creatures living in the tank. The pavilion itself was 185,000 square feet and has a theoretical capacity of 2,200 people an hour. Now, that's limited by the Omnimover system that moved people into the pavilion. Once you were there, you could hang around for as long as you wanted and then you went through some less detailed hydrolators on the exit that took you back out. Now, those have all been removed, so now it's like you're just walking into an aquarium, so the whole fantasy element has kind of been removed. Incidentally, it took 22 months to build the original Living Seas, and they had advisors from all kinds of places, including National Geographic and the Vancouver um, Aquarium Marine Science Center, General Motors, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, the elevators were actually... Otis elevators. They, they didn't function, but the doors that were in them were Otis elevators, and when you stepped in, if you looked down at the bottom, you'd see the doorway sill, and it would say Otis, just like it did at the Haunted Mansion stretch room and a real elevator. So um, that might have just been a sponsorship thing, or it might have just been an attention to detail to feel like you were really in an elevator that was about to take you to the bottom of the ocean. Now, even though I wasn't a big fan of the Living Seas, it was probably my least favorite Future World pavilion, I still do miss the fact that a lot of the things that I thought were neat have been removed, like those elevators. So it's going to be interesting to get back out there, hopefully later on this year, and see what they've done with it now that uh, the Pixar and pals have moved in. So the next time you're there, if you beat me to it, take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again. And on that note, I think it'll do it for me this time, so be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse over 29,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, as well as dozens of downloadable video files from the Disney parks, including the video that goes with the audio I played for you today in this show. And if you want to talk about some of your favorite Disney podcasts, or even the Park Hopping Podcast, drop by the Disney Podcast Network message boards at DisneyPodcastNet.com. And if you can, please take a moment to visit anothercrappypodcast.com and click on my Listener World map and add yourself to it so I can know that you're out there. If you want to drop me a note directly, my email address is podcast at disneyfans.com. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 34, Epcot Living Seas. Thanks for listening. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting <sighs> podcasts.
Somebody should really get this leak looked at.